0: Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon. And you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Welcome to the God of Second Chances podcast series. Uh, We're going to take a special emphasis today on intimate partner violence, or family violence, or domestic violence, uh, as often we refer to it. Uh, We're taking a break from our usual discussion of biblical texts to talk about the issues of domestic violence and faith communities. As uh, a minister, seminary instructor, author, a person who speaks uh, around the world about intimate partner violence in families, I'm often asked if this is a biblical issue, or should it be something that the churches should get involved with. And I think that there's tremendous evidence in the biblical story, in the biblical narratives, where family violence was something that the church, or the people of God, had to address. We can look at stories, and we can read uh, other passages that tell us what is a healthy family, what does it mean to have healthy relationships. And in those stories, we find that violence in the home is something that is very foreign to who God has called people to be. Uh, Probably the most familiar story, Genesis chapter 4, right at the very beginning, uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain kills his brother, or murders his brother, Abel. Uh, it's interesting when you we read the story in, in the Hebrew, uh, the phrase, his brother, Ahi, over and over and over again, just continually repeats, uh, kind of ramping up the audience who are hearing it read in the synagogue, to show the very horror of this event. He killed his brother. Family violence in the very beginning was one of the uh, first uh, sinful acts of violence in the Bible. And as we go through the uh, stories, we read of family violence. We read of, of Genesis 34, the rape of Dinah, uh, Jacob's daughter. We read about the brothers who turn on Joseph and actually threaten to kill him. But they, they put him in a well and then later he sold off to Egypt. We find stories such as David in Bathsheba, 2 Samuel chapter 11, where he sexually harasses this woman and has her husband murdered. And he's, uh, in a sense, uh, non-consensual rape uh, that's happened there. We also read of, of David's daughter, Tamar, who is raped by her half-brother, uh, Amnon. And then later, of course, Tamar's brother, Absalom, David's son, murders. Amnon, David's other son. And yet David does nothing about the issue. Uh, We read in the biblical stories of sacrificing children to Molech, uh, other uh, kings in in the book of Kings and and Chronicles who sacrificed their children after other nations. Uh, Throughout these stories we find that family violence is something that is an abomination to God, something that God opposes. In fact, one uh, book that's very common is the book of Proverbs. It speaks often about the dangers of being the heated man, or the heated person, or the angry, violent man. Uh, These are are foolish individuals. These are are people that the students in Proverbs are being warned uh, to not be like. Don't be like the angry man, the heated man, the person who gives full vent to their anger, the person who lacks control. And while we understand that domestic violence and intimate partner violence are not so much about anger management, they are about controlling behavior, we see biblical passages where uh, God says this is not who we are called to be. In fact, one passage that sticks in my mind is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, there are six things the Lord hates. The seventh is an abomination. Haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and this is the seventh. Okay, The first six... Are things that the Lord hates. The seventh, the last one, is an abomination. It is, uh, it is offensive to God. And what is that seventh one? A man, a person, who stirs up dissension among brothers or within a family. To be violent, to create dissension within a family, is an abomination to God. And we read stories throughout the Bible of where God is offended by how people hurt others in their family. So when people ask me, does, what does the Bible say about domestic violence or intimate partner violence, the Bible teaches that violence in the home is not the way of God's people. Uh, I think the, the book uh, that we uh, know of, the book of Malachi, it kind of closes out this uh, the Hebrew Bible, this, this Old Testament, as many people call it. And it's interesting in the book of Malachi, Throughout that story, God's people continually break the covenant. They break faith with God. They turn their back on God. They hurt God. And God describes it like an abusive marriage. In in chapter 2, verse uh, 16, where the Lord says, I hate divorce. What's Yahweh referring to? God is saying, you're treating me badly. You're abusing me. You're breaking the covenant. You're turning on me. I hate divorce and... I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as his garment. So the Lord at the end of this uh, section of scriptures, these these prophetic texts, the Lord says, you're mistreating me. I hate this but I, I don't want to divorce but you're using violence and I won't tolerate that. And one thing that we often do is help women in abusive relationships to understand that here God understands their suffering and they can understand God's suffering. None of the individuals we work with want to get divorced. They want the abuse to stop. And Yahweh says this here. You're abusing me. I don't want a divorce, but I won't tolerate this violence. And so what we get, uh, as we read through many of these stories, is that God says "Peace, violence in the home. Uh, violence against a partner is unacceptable. It is not the way of God. And of course we move into what we know as the New Testament, the stories of the life of Jesus. Jesus uh, talks about peace and love and mercy. And even the apostles, Paul and Peter, speak very negatively about fathers who are violent and harsh with their children. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 Ephesians 6, they also talk about husbands who are violent or offensive or harsh with their spouses. Uh, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, and of course 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, The biblical story uh, is a challenge to us that we need to be pushing peace in the home. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 16, God has called us to peace. Violence in the home. Uh, Violence in in, in spousal abuse, violence with child abuse, uh, sexual assault. These are all foreign to who God has called us to be. We are to be a people of peace. We are to be a people of mercy. We are to be a people of love. And if we haven't been that in our relationships, there needs to be repentance, there needs to be change, and we need to go through better intervention programs, or we need to be in in other counseling groups where we can learn to be a people of love, peace, who are not controlling, but a people who practice the very values that the people of God have upheld, not just in the biblical text, but through the Spirit. Uh, The fruits of the Spirit uh, involve love and peace and patience and mercy and compassion on others, and these are the people God has called us to be. And that's one of the things that we find in the biblical stories. When we talk about the God of second chances, we talk about relationships that reflect God's mercy and compassion and love. It's important that we understand the dynamics of intimate partner violence when we look at biblical texts. Intimate partner violence uh, can be cyclical, whereas uh, you know, it, it develops to become very, uh, you know, the, the spouse is controlling. He's oppressive, Uh, there's an act of violence, it can be verbal, it can be physical, it can be sexual, Uh, he invades her space, her personal space, he threatens her, his attempt is to keep her in line, and then they get back into the cycle. I'm sorry, I won't do it again, but don't make me mad. And so now, uh, the the partner, uh, the vulnerable person, the victim in this relationship is caught in a cycle where they feel they cannot leave. And the offender is the one who seems to be in control. Because we understand with uh, abusive and controlling uh, males especially, that they believe it's important for them to have the power in the relationship. And this is why when we many times look at Ephesians 5, the passage where the Apostle Paul is writing about what constitutes a healthy marriage, uh, we stress to the males, especially, while we do understand there are women who are abusive to males, overwhelmingly, it's males oppressing women. And it's important as United, uh, North Americans, uh, United States, we live in a culture that devalues women and equates weakness with femininity. In Ephesians chapter 5, we usually take this verse and we point in verse 21 of chapter 5, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And that's an important verse. A marriage, a relationship, only exists when two people submit to each other. We call this mutual submission. And it's important that as clergy, as pastors, as ministers, as teachers, uh, it's important that we teach mutual submission. Marriage is a teamwork. Uh, my wife and I have written books on this issue and we always point out that it's a team effort. Now, of course, in verse 22 through 24, the Apostle Paul says for wives to submit to their husbands. He calls Christ the head. A head has nothing to do with authority. This is a letter to the Ephesian Christians. Ephesus is a city where Artemis is the head. She's the great mother. She's the great protector. She's the great nurturer. She presides at weddings. She is more powerful than the Roman Empire. She's Her her uh, temple is bigger than uh, any of the uh, imperial temples for the god or goddess Roma, Uh, Artemis is the head. And now Paul is using that language of Jesus. And the head nurtures, the head cares for, the head loves. In fact, in verse 25, through the end of the chapter, the apostle Paul tells the husbands that they are to act like this kind of head. They are to love their wives. They are to care for their wives. And Paul even uses two words that would be considered feminine in the Romans. Roman Empire. verse 9, he talks about feeding and caring. It's the word nurturing and cherishing. In the ancient Roman world, men don't nurture and care for their spouse. They have other affairs. They have sex outside of the home, and the wife is just simply to be home and take care of the kids. Uh, That's not how Paul says a relationship is to be. Husbands as heads are to nurture, care for, and love. In fact, in Chapter six, verse four. You're supposed to do the same with. They're supposed to do the same with their children, to bring, nurture them in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is not a physical, uh, violent issue. This is about spiritually and emotionally nurturing. So the apostle Paul challenges the husbands to be different than the Roman culture. They are to nurture and care for their spouse, and they are to practice mutual submission. I understand Paul telling the Ephesian Christian men that they are to be countercultural in the way they live. It is important for the church to tell a different story and change our culture. Uh, we live in a world where men's violence against women has become acceptable. Even though we speak out, it is still practiced. It is important that the church promote the way of Jesus. That is counter-cultural to what we see. Manhood is not based upon violence and power and control. Manhood should be based on our willingness to be like Jesus. And Ephesians 5 is one of those texts that tells us this is how a marriage is to be. Intimate partner violence undercuts all of that. There is nothing in intimate partner violence that would support the way that we are called to live for Jesus. In fact, uh, when I was in Malawi, <clears throat> Africa last year, I was talking with uh, pastors, ministers, about training men in domestic violence. And one of the comments was made to me, that aren't we supposed to be talking about evangelism? And I was a little frustrated because I, I, I feel that the intimate partner violence is one of the greatest forms of evangelism we can do because we are changing culture. But I took them to 1 Peter chapter 7. Now I know the first six verses of chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 7. The first six verses of 1 Peter 3 uh, talk about the wives submitting to their husbands, and I understand that. But there's this other verse that we need to stress to men, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate, or the word, the Greek word, live, live knowledgeably, live sensibly uh, with your wives, and treat them with honor as the weaker partner and or the more vulnerable Is the idea, and heirs with you the grace of life, grace of gift of life. So nothing will hinder your prayers. And I shared with the men, you need to be telling men that if you're oppressing your wife, if you're committing violence against your wife, if you're mistreating your wife, God will not hear your prayers. There's a long history of oppression theology in the Bible. Uh, It goes way back to Exodus. When you oppress the aliens, I don't hear your prayers. I hear their prayers, but I don't hear your prayers. Proverbs talks over and over again, if you, if you ignore the cries of the oppressed, God will ignore your cries. Even Jesus tells us uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, when you go to offer your gift at the altar and you remember you have, have something against someone or you've done something to them, you don't offer the gift. You go back and make it right. God does not hear the prayers of the oppressors. In fact, the famous quote, God gives grace to the humiliated, right? God opposes the proud, the arrogant, and gives grace to the humiliated. And so the challenge in 1 Peter 3 is that we as ministers, uh, we we often want to offer grace to the offender. The offender has to repent. We need to be offering grace to to the victims as God offers grace to the victims. So I hope that you've enjoyed this time of going through the text. Does the Bible talk about intimate partner violence? Yes, the Bible talks about intimate partner violence. Even more, the Bible tells us how we are to have healthy marriages, how we are to have healthy relationships. Intimate partner violence is a sin because it undercuts uh, the very commands of Christians, as Christian men, in our relationship with others. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're taking the curriculum, to realize and to at least teach in your teaching these these are healthy qualities of relationship intimate partner violence is about control. It's about power. It's about oppression. And those who oppress lose their relationship with God. And that's a theme throughout the biblical text. So we want to proclaim that Jesus offers a new way to live. We want to proclaim that as Christians, we are to tell a different story. We are to live differently in our relationship than the world we are to send a message to the world that marriage is about love and respect and honor and that manhood is about being like jesus not an ultimate fighter not a boxer not necessarily a football player not necessarily a warrior but jesus who calls us to nurture and care for those that we are called to love i want to thank you for this time in this special podcast on intimate partner violence I'm Ron Clark with the Agape Church of Christ, and you're listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of Second Chances. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts.